0: then everything else seems pretty good like monsters is still probably the most flexible faction and arguably now the strongest
1: Welcome to Zwei Null, the TLG Gwent podcast. My name is Jagaris and I'm joined as always by the lovely Spiro. And today our guests are Radu Andrada and King Chez, the self-proclaimed king of Team and Gaming.
2: Hello. Yeah, welcome everyone. We got, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today with regards to the recent changes in Gwent. Obviously, we did actually get um, a, a fairly sizable balance change. And this is obviously proceeding, which is going to uh, the upcoming expansion. I believe it's on uh, Place of Power. So there's some stuff to cover and going to be exciting to go through.
1: Yeah. So I guess we should kick things off by talking about stratagems. Uh, we've got new stratagems. They're meant to be better than our old stratagems. Some of them probably are, some of them probably not so much. Uh, let's start with Radu. How are you feeling in regard to new stratagems?
3: So for me, I only tried the Skelliga one, and uh, that one feels really strong right now. I'm uh, excited to see some changes there because uh, the old ones felt uh, a little bit underpowered. So I'm not sure about you guys, but that one was was kind of good.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I like, I, like, um, I like all the changes they've done to the strategies because not only are they buffing up the, the ones that see like less play. But also i've i've been kind of feeling for a while that stratagems in a way feel a little bit power crept in a way because if you think about it back when when homecoming first came out stratagems were like worth five points as tactical advantage and the game has definitely gone up in power level but stratagems have kind of stayed the same so it so um i kind of like that stratagems got a little bit stronger especially the ones that's seeing um not so much play in the past like you know mask or Urobor- report boros and urn of shadows especially that one saw like zero play but yeah, quite nice to see them actually seeing some competitive play now eventually.
0: Yeah, I uh I tend to agree. I think um Mask of Ouroboros is like auto include. I don't think you'd ever not run it in SK at this point. Um unless some sort of engine deck appears that really needs to protect something, but I just don't see it like like you're only losing one point and like you get a thin, right, which is really nice, and often it can actually be worth more if you've got something in hand. Um, I don't think you give it the points from the discard because like, you're going to be able to discard that card later anyway, but like, it is nice. It is nice for sure. Um, the other, probably the other most impactful one is Scroll, right? Like, Scroll's actually really good in certain decks. Um, for example, Vi, it's pretty good in. I'm not 100% sure. It depends on the meta, whether or not you run it over something to protect the consume, but it's also pretty good. But what I have actually, um, I tried it today. I only played like two games, but it seemed to go pretty well was um, scrolling full test because like commando's decks really need to draw well around one right um so like mm-hmm. it's really impactful in that deck now obviously you've given up points but a lot of the time you just like people pass really quickly anyway to stop you getting more carryover. over so seems pretty good in commando's too
2: yeah i would agree with that
1: are you guys concerned <laughs> um about the impact of more powerful stratagems on discrepancies between going first and going second because obviously so we've seen stratagems get better which may give certain advantages to going first um and obviously on ladder you don't control when you go first and when you go second compared to on tournaments whereas on tournaments you know you kind of know when you're going to have your stratagem with which decks and so you can strategize much more effectively around your coin flip. Do you think that this is gonna have a positive impact, a negative impact? Because I feel like I feel like it's gonna have an impact, you know, in some shape or form to the coin flip.
3: So I think I saw some stats from last season and the uh, red coin had a better win rate, which means that buffing the stratagems for this season might uh, balance that one out. Hmm. That's
2: yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I feel like right now, in a lot of matchups that can feel kind of bad, more so than the last couple of months. Going going um, going first and losing on even or being pressured, especially. I think it's that was a lot. Of what had to do with syndicate line pockets being quite strong. That was a very abusive red coin deck, and that might have actually skewed the red coin win rates on at least on pro ladder level. But um, it's a, it's an interesting one to think about because, at on the one hand, it's it you don't you you want to make sure that players are on like an equal footing so that you know if the, the coin flip doesn't. Impacts the, the, the outcome of the game as much but on the other hand if you also buff strategies too much then winning round one becomes very easy and some metas going first is actually or in some matchups at least going first is actually beneficial because it, it helps secure on one and some decks that have round control on a very very dominant position like v for example or um, some other decks so there are definitely matchups where going first is beneficial and some matches where obviously going second is much better depending on the deck so you gotta be careful you can't overbuff them over overbuff them it also is going to skew the gameplay too much but if you underbuff them again it can skew it in the other direction too so it's an interesting one to think about and how exactly they're supposed to balance it can be quite challenging i think yeah I, I tend to think like right now it seems
3: okay
0: um i think like there's it's hard to say what coin's better it's all dependent on the meta right like because it all depends upon like whether or not you need to win round one or not and If you need to win round one, then blue coins often like better, right? So it depends on um, the matter whether that's like a a key factor in a lot of matchups or not. Um, In terms of buffing the stratagems, I have no problems with them buffing like the underused ones and giving you more like variation in like being able to strengthen different strategies and things. That seems fine. Um, But I'd be like hesitant to like buff them in terms of actual points generation for the time being. Um, obviously as power creep kicks in then you can consider it but right now it feels like it's reasonably okay to me where we're at
1: i suppose it's one of these things where we will really see the tournament impact until we actually have tournaments that utilize the new stratagems you know seeing how they impact upcoming qualifiers for example uh upcoming you know top 16 top 64 and beyond because we haven't had a tournament that wasn't really everyone using what crystal skull and uh uh, what's it ta tactical advantage so you know seeing their tournament impact i think is hard to gauge at the moment but i do think being able to build a deck which you know oh i can play this on blue and i'll be able to use the stratagem and i can use the stratagem in this way in this deck in round one every time or you know that sort of thing for whether it's a consistency stratagem whether it's you know nilfgaard having a guaranteed poison to pressure out the round that is going to be interesting for me to see from a casting perspective how the pro players utilize stratagems in their tournament decks rather than in their ladder decks is what i would say
2: yeah to add that it would be actually really cool to see like if they especially they open up like new strategies of of um how players queue the the decks and certain coins because for the most part as you mentioned um pretty much everyone tactical advantage crystal skull sometimes maybe lamp but for the most part it's just two or three stratagems, and it, it it just feels too auto-included, whereas it'll be nice to see, like, if one deck is using this stratagem, another deck is using that stratagem, and this deck is using that stratagem in a creative way to, like, try to leverage this kind of advantage um, with this coin in this matchup. And, you know, you could do some interesting things in potential tournament environments if those stratagems are utilized. Like, we saw a big change in the meta when Crystal Skull was buffed. Like, before then, it was everyone using TA or Lamp, and then people started, like, taking against Nilfgaard or some poison matchups with the Crystal Skull, um stratagem, and it started changing some some matchups and some instances in round one, at least. And you know, you could get some more changes if you obviously introduce more playable stratagems into the meta.
1: And I guess speaking of the meta, that's probably where we should go next. In terms of ba- uh, balance changes, the recent patch, which changes do you think have had the biggest impact on the meta? And I guess why is then the follow up, you know, <laughs> give, a, give us some, some thinking, some critical thought in your answers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so i think the to say, is probably the most impactful thing that happened with this balance change because now i'm not sure where blind pocket is in terms of uh, a tier list but you should definitely see less syndicate on ladder i think
2: yeah i think uh um, masquerade ball is also a pretty big change because moss ball has been pretty much like a crutch card and off guard since as long as i can remember like Every, almost every deck a Northguard plays has been carried by Mars Ball for uh, since Mars ball has been introduced into the game essentially so I mean while Mars Ball still seems playable it definitely makes it has a big deck building cost now and it, you know it's kind of thing that you got to think about you, how, how much do you really want to put this ball in your deck nowadays because it's, it's not as easy as it is in the past to rockets yeah um it's
0: interesting like the meta's is still young so it's hard to tell exactly like what's going to happen um but like initial like feelings and stuff is that um feels like northern realms is definitely playable this season which you could argue it wasn't last season i know a few people had good decent scores with it but generally speaking it felt slightly underpowered um scoyotel is probably going to be like on the weakest like maybe not on the weakest side because like people did really well with scoyotel last season but it's going to be like a niche choice Choice, I think, because like it's sort of very meta dependent, and it's also pretty hard to play at times. So, um, but then everything else seems pretty good. Like monsters is still probably the most flexible faction, and arguably now the strongest as well. Um, I think Skellige got like a, quite a. It's interesting, right? Because they sort of nerfed, nerfed, iced but they gave him the stratagem, which is stronger. They gave him coral, which is really strong now. So, um, and they also buffed witcher SK. So like SK has gone from being pretty much- Yeah, and a new leader ability. So I think SK is now the other super flexible faction with monsters. I think there's lots of things you can do in that faction. Um, And then syndicate also got some buffs. So like, I'm not sure, it's hard to tell how good that is now, but I know people are doing well with passy lists at the moment. Now, if that'll still be the case in a couple of weeks, it's to be seen. But Syndicate at least has some potential, and then Nilfgaard is a funny one because Ball I think is dead, but you still have like Cloggers, which saw some play, um, and you can always go back to like uh, All in assimilate. That I actually tried today, and it seems okay. Um, All in assimilate's good when it's like very point spammy meta, right, and not much control. Um, yeah uh, going back
2: to right all I think that Shiru might start Shiru decks could be good because there seems to be a somewhat decent amount of swarm especially because of Faltus right now um, being on ladder and I have seen some congregates as well so maybe Shiru decks might actually end up being um a, a thing that Squirtle gravitates towards, depending on how Swarmy uh, the ends up being. I think the thing with Squirtle, right, is
0: they'll play the same deck regardless, and they will tech. Shiro is basically a tech card for that deck, right, whether it's Swarmy or not. So um, if yeah, it's Swarmy, enough. they tech in the Shiro. If not, they just take it out for some other tall punish or whatever. What I will say is I think AQ's actually fallen out a little bit at the moment because it seems to be um, a lot more Vi- As Vi punishes a lot of these, like uh, point spammy decks. Right, it's like the ultimate point spam deck, and right now it's quite point spammy with both um, Syndicate and Ball disappearing. So,
1: yeah, I was going to touch on our favorite alphabetical insect, that is V decks, and that's a card that Shira really doesn't do so well against. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. I got a six point Shira, and you got a twenty two point V. Like, doesn't doesn't really work. I personally. I hate V with a passion. I feel like this is like my least favorite method because I hate when Skellige is good and I hate V. And this current method, Skellige is good and there is V. So it's like everything that, right. that I hate on ladder is is currently like what's is, going on.
0: Is it, is it possible that you just hate Gwent? I don't know.
1: It's, I mean, I feel right. like you could ask that question to more or less any Gwen player right. uh, at this stage, especially pro ladder player. I mean, how many games do you guys play a season, you know? Too many, way too many.
0: Actually, not enough. <laughs> Pro- probably enough for my mental health, but not enough for my <laughs> 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 No, I don't
1: know. V V in the meta is it? It's a first. I guess it's an odd one. Like we've had it in the meta before, and it was incredibly dominant. It's been nerfed a little bit, so they've brought it kind of more in line. And then it kind of fell off in in previous yeah. seasons where people weren't doing so many kind of point slammy things. And yeah, now I it's, kind it's of back. But do you think it's back for good? Like, is it going to stay in the meta or do you think it's just early meta where people are like, oh, I'm just going to go no, back think, to what was I good? V,
2: I think V will be around. And it, it's to me, it's crazy how a deck that got... If you think about how much points V got nerfed by mm-hmm. and how good it still is, it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a deck in Gwent be nerfed that hard and still be good. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: I think because of how hard it was nerfed, people actually underrated it, right? Because it was... Like, that nerf to it is enormous but it actually just shows how good it was before. But the problem with Vi is, right, that no matter how much you, like, well, obviously you can nerf it so it's unplayable, but right now it sort of has the same, it still plays the same as it did before. You either have the counters or you don't, right, a lot of the time. Um, the exception being old-school Flora, right, which um, could just outvalue you in round one, like force rate with, like, a soul and then beat you with engines in round three. It's about the only deck that can beat you by just, like having such greedy engines. But right now, the thing with Vi is is that like people aren't expecting it too much because it didn't see a lot of play. So they haven't teched in their spores and stuff. But give it a week of being popular and then everybody puts in a random spores in the deck and then Vi struggles again, right? So mm-hmm. um it's a really weird swingy deck, I think, Vi. It's uh, you've got to play it at the right times.
1: Mm. And I feel like part of the problem with it is that it then encourages things like Alchemist, right? It's one of those decks where you're like, well, if I could just get rid of V, like, I'll just steal their V and I'll win that way. And then it encourages this kind of RNG strategy with things like the location I mean, of Guard and all those kind of things, which, you know, we've seen them in tournaments and that never feels good when someone wins because they just high an alchemist.
2: Yeah, I mean... The Alchemist was being played because of the location most the time. Not really many people actually like physically put an Alchemist in the deck. It was just the flexibility of having it off-location, and because location helped with the Cantorella and the Yoakims and blah, blah, blah. And because of that, people were very often going, well, I've got a dry pass in round two. Guess when I play an Alchemist, or in some situations, they use it as a win con. Maybe they, they have another win con, they need to hire roll and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think like Alchemist is... Seem that much play just to Hyrule but it's just a, a byproduct of you know the mm-hmm. location and having a nice convenient access to this card as well and realistically Nilfgaard doesn't have to tech for Vi right like if you play
0: that sort of deck you probably got a bunch of toll punish anyway and you've always got the like coup onto Quacks slash Cantorella <laughs> into Quacks right which is game winning as well so
2: mm. um,
0: yeah I don't think Nilfgaard's the one that needs to worry about Vi to be honest
2: I'm um, speaking of Nilfgaard what what, what is the way to, to to play Nilfgaard right now I don't know if you guys have had any have you guys experimented Nilfgaard at all have you seen any Nilfgaard decks on ladder what, what are you guys what are thoughts on Nilfgaard after the spawn nerf
3: well I tried to build a soldier list because it felt like the Morvan buff might be relevant but I ended up trying to fit ball and it didn't fucking work <laughs> so I, I don't know I want to play the faction but I'm
1: waiting for someone else to come up with a good idea. Just waiting for the meta report at this point. You got any
0: genius deck building? I mean, I've always got genius deck building. (laughs) No, no, no. I think think Soldiers is a big bait, don't get baited, guys. Um, Whilst I'm on the subject of Soldiers, as it is my favourite deck of all time, if anybody from CDPR is watching, I have a simple change to make Soldiers good. Just make Daerlan foot soldier 4P and add another high-end soldier. And then I could start thinking about it. But right now, like, the soldier bronzes are just so bad that you can't really do much with them. Um, you could also just buff Daerlan, I guess, like, 4 for 4, like, 4, create a 4. But, yeah. Um, in terms of Nilfgaard, I think Clog is playable, which is really sad. Um hate that deck. Uh, don't play it, kids, but... <laughs> if you need to play Nelfgad then play Clog I guess but yeah it feels bad um, I know Specy played like Double Maddox which probably is somewhat playable I don't see why that would be any worse this season but personally I have actually tried um, I've played some uh, Assimilate like all all in Assimilate with Portal and stuff and yeah seems pretty good like I'm I think I'm like 4-1 with it something like that Um not like a big sample size or anything, but it feels reasonably good. I don't, it was strong before like the recent ball deck came around, right? So um, should be okay, I think. I don't know if it's going to be tier one or anything, but it's, it's wholesome fun with lots of engines, so seems good. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like part of the problem with Nilfgaard is that mostly what CDPR do with Nilfgaard is they take away. Like, very occasionally, they'll be like, right, let's add some stuff. And they add things like Masquerade Ball. They add things like Usurper. Like, just cards that are generally good. They add things like Brathens. You know, there's just these cards you could just throw in any deck and they're generally good. They don't really seem to add synergistic cards often for things like Assimilate, for things like uh, Soldiers, like we've been talking about. And then what happens is they, they add enough good stuff that Nufgard becomes good. And then they just have to keep taking away good stuff to the point where Nilfgaard is terrible again. And and we're at that point now with the masquerade ball changes, for example, uh, with the aristocrats where they're like, oh, you know, people keep complaining about this and people don't like Nilfgaard because it's annoying and we want people to like our game. So let's just take it away. We'll just take it away. We won't really give them anything in return. We're just going to take this away and then we'll see what happens. And then maybe in a few months when the people are, they've forgotten that they hate Nilfgaard, you know, we'll, we'll wait till everyone forgets they hate Nilfgaard and then we'll give it yeah. some more stuff. The problem <laughs> and that seems that they to have... be the, the patch cycle of Nilfgaard.
0: <laughs> yeah, the problem they have with Nilfgaard, right, is Nilfgaard uh, is, the like, the number one faction, right? It's If you ever do a poll on what's people's favourite faction, it'll get the highest score. Um, the problem with that is is that everybody who doesn't like Nilfgaard, which is a bigger proportion, Nilfgaard's, like, <laughs> one of their least favourite factions, right? So, you have like, they want to please these people because it's like the most popular faction, but then over 50% of the population don't like Nilfgaard, right? Because they, it's not their favorite faction. And the other thing is, is like, they've made Nilfgaard to be this control archetype with absolutely no alternative apart from Assimilate right now, right? Assimilate's the non-control version of Nilfgaard. Um, and nobody ever complains about Assimilate, right? Like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody complain, oh no, Assimilate. Um and the reason is is that it like it's not touching your stuff, right? It's like doing its own thing. Um and what they could do is make, make soldiers good, like make an actual soldier swarm deck, right? Like they could do something like that, like they had in open beta. Um, but it seems like they want to try and give Nilfgaard this identity of being unfun to play against, and it just results in this cycle like you described of buff it, nerf it, buff it, nerf it, rather than just like let it Sit for a while, right? With some other playable archetypes. So, think. Uh, no one complained about
3: assimilate, but are you forgetting about create and bribery and all those things?
0: Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't assimilate, right? That was like just high roll in bribery when it wasn't oh. actually assimilate. It was just like a few create cards have been moaned about, but
2: assimilate itself is less complained about.
0: Let's
3: see.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would just love factions to not have be crutched on like by certain cards. Like masquerade but I, I, I there's so many other things you could do with Northgard. but a lot of the time it always just falls. To, I mean, I, and it's kind of funny how people have desperately they, they build a deck with Northgard and they're like, you know what this deck needs? It needs a ball. And they just find a way to put a ball in. Like you play a full on assimilate deck, and then you go, you know what this deck needs? We need a we need a masquerade ball. Even if there's only two aristocrats that proc the ball, be it Roderick and Joachim, they're like, you know what, ball's too good to cut more on this deck and that's what always happens like eventually Nilfgaard devolves to Masquerade ball deck in some way or the other and that's been something I have not liked about Nilfgaard is how powerful Masquerade ball has forced deck building in a way that doesn't feel um very fun to build decks in Nilfgaard but honestly like that's a problem with Gwen and I
0: think Talbot touched on it on an interview somebody did with him that like what he the one thing he wants to see more than anything is bronze cards be lifted up right because right now Games come down to how many gold cards can you draw in round three a lot of the time, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. um, it's because it's not like in open beta, decks revolved around bronze synergies with gold, like tech cards, basically your gold to your tech cards. Whereas it's gone the other way around now, right? Like, you want to run these bronze tech cards and win with just having gold hands, um, which. I personally tend to agree with Talbot. Like, I would rather have a lot of synergy coming from your bronze. And something like Witcher and R is a good example of how you can do it, right? Like, Witcher and R, whilst when it first came out, was probably a little too strong. It is very synergistic in its bronzes with more sort of techy gold cards. Like, you run a Geralt or a uh, uh, Vanilla Geralt or Yurden or something like that. You can run some locks sort of thing. Um, mm. But yeah, I think... Yep. I think that's how I would like them to go, but I'm not sure that they are going to go that way.
1: And yeah, I think would, that's like... something we see with Skeliger, right? Skeliger a lot of their bronzes are decent, especially with this whole veteran thing in round three. Like, part of what made Warriors good is that the bronze package is all right. It's not yeah, where it needs would... to be. It still relies on, on golds, but I think, like, power creeping the bronzes would really help the game. Yeah, like,
0: the thing Warriors had, right, was it had bronzes that were playing for, like... Insane value a few seasons ago, but right now it's still how many gold yeah. cards can I draw in range three at the at the moment? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, touching okay. on what, what Ches mentioned about uh, about uh, bronze cards being stronger. It's something that's it's actually interesting because very often we have these bronze cards that actually end up being like stronger than others, like be it Villager, the the the, the card, the one that puts bleed on your allied units, or Safecrack or whatever. And quite often people tend to like really get upset when like one bronze card is playing for higher value than others. And, I, I, like, me personally, I think that Safecracker was fine, that other bronze cards should be like Safecracker. Cards that you want, that you yeah. that are part of your strategy. Cards that your deck, you're happy to see. You are not just mulligan away Safecrackers that are good cards in your deck. You want them. Like, I would love it if all decks had cards like that. The reason why everyone complained about Safecrackers, though, is because Safecrackers were stronger than all the other bronzes, which is not to say that Safecrackers was bad. It's just that mm-hmm. other bronze cards should be on that kind of level, which I would have loved to see more of. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with that, I think. think And it's one of
1: these situations where they could just do a pass, you know, and add two points here, three points here, whatever, to bronze cards and just just tweak the numbers. But then... At the same time, it's like you then have these gold cards that are just completely massive swing cards and you need to think about how oh, it all fits together. And the other concern I would say with with adjusting bronzes is Syndicate's in a bit of a difficult position because their coin purse is capped at nine. So you might get to the power creep stage where Syndicate cards, you can't make them generate any more money because you're just going to overprofit. so they're not I, coming for points and I that, that a becomes hot... a problem with that faction.
0: I have a hot take on Syndicate of right. the coin mechanic. Get rid of it. Uh, I don't think that's I going to be possible.
2: Actually,
0: <laughs> actually hate coins. Get rid of them. Non-interactive <laughs> storing carryover. It's just everything that's kind of bad, right? And people like it because it's new and fancy, but realistically, I think it's just a bad mechanic person.
1: Okay, so if you get rid of it, then what do you do to syndicate?
0: I mean, they have to just rework a lot of it, right? But that's... <laughs> I mean, it's never going to happen, so there's no point in me putting yeah. any thought into it, but... <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's but, just too many positive that have yeah, coin yeah
0: they could just like rework it and have it as like I don't know like a shady faction that does shady things right like but like, like god, god. yeah <laughs> like and then North god can be less shady right like you can and yeah.
1: everyone can hate Syndicate instead yeah
0: exactly it's perfect
1: <laughs> that totally fixes the problem by taking it from here and putting it over here I mean, it's just like look over there and out, and right? there's the problem totally.
0: now you could, could shear it out so like both of them have shady stuff in them and then you can also have like Swarm Syndicate, right? And Swarm and uh, NG. So they both have some shady stuff and some non-shady stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yep, that, that's a take. <laughs> I really want,
1: want to see a dev stream done exclusively by Chezzy explaining the changes <laughs> that are being made and why they're being made. Like, right, we decided that coins are garbage, so we just yes. removed them completely <laughs> from the game. <laughs> <laughs> but on the plus side, now you can touch their stuff. You know, it's yes, all good. exactly. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> Meanwhile, we made this new soldier card and we buffed Taylor and soldiers up to four points. So now soldiers it's, are key. Yeah.
0: What we did was we we took we changed Reemdi into something else and uh, into a create a soldier card. We gave his old ability where he buffs all the soldiers back to Sentry and turns Sentry into a Nilfgaard card. And uh, buff Deerland foot Soldiers to 4p4 strength. Yeah, that's
2: good. That's the patch notes by King Chess. <laughs> Chase just wants to play some Soldiers again. <laughs> <laughs> that's room. all Chess. After uh, I mean, you get any Soldiers, then I want I want my Great Swords back. Give me my old Great Swords. Yeah, I mean, that's fine by me. Bring back open beta, right? Just bring back all those decks <laughs> just, just in the current... <laughs> With the
1: current,
0: like, UI and everything, right? It would be great. And
1: let's add faction abilities back while we're at it, so, you know, you have... No. <laughs> that wasn't in the game. Let's do that. And let's make gold cards uninteractable, and let's add silver cards to the mix, just to, just spice, to fuck sure. things up. <laughs> we can go silver spice. That's fine. Silver spice, and, like, the silver mages, you know, the ones that are like, I can make clear skies and do two other things, one of which oh, is probably Alzo's yeah. Thunder. <laughs>
2: And then I'm on Moles,
1: those cards. Do you not feel like now we're like the back in our day? This is the yes. podcast has devolved into like a <laughs> am geriatric. Back old, in my day, you could do this and you could mm-hmm. do this and we had to do this and the, the board looked absolute garbage. <laughs> An old Gwen board was terrible. Uh, okay, so let's, let's talk esports. Let's talk Gwen Open number one. So Gwen Open number one uh, was last month with tailbot reigning supreme how did you guys feel about the tournament meta in open one and like last tournament meta i guess do you think it was a healthy meta for that Uh, tournament or do you feel
2: like there were problems uh, i mean it was very similar to what we've seen there hasn't been much changes in the last month so it's been pretty much the same type of meta we've seen that qualifies nothing really too unusual happened um in terms of how i felt about the meta. I uh, uh, I don't know. It didn't seem like there was much room for experimentation. For I must say, in, the, in terms of this tournament, the previous one we had, it's probably one of the two, well, one of the, the the tournament the time periods of Gwent where I've seen like the the least amount of like real innovation in terms of like decks being brought in qualifiers and opens and stuff. There were very much there were some tech cards here and there, but that's all that really changed was some some tech cards. There weren't like any decks you go, oh that's an interesting deck. I want to try that on ladder or anything like that. It was just very much same old line pockets, a rocket swarm, some V, some Kelly, some you know the same kind of stuff over and over.
0: Yeah, I um so I think in terms of the tournament, I think it was one of the most like predictable lineups people brought for a long time um mainly because matter had been the same for like two months right at that point and we'd had like so four online qualifiers um taking place at that point i think um and yeah like so it wasn't wasn't particularly innovative um i think a lot of the gameplay was very good uh, which was nice it was nice to see both patch and tailbot make the final so it shows like the heavy hitters are making it to the final. So, as much as we do reabate RNG and stuff, it seems like a lot of the, the big hitters that get into these these finals and things, um, being rewarded for good play. And realistically, if you actually look at the Open, um, pretty much everybody who was at that Open was also like it was eight of the, the very best players. Um, maybe there was one or two who they would like a question mark over whether or not they they're like a top top player. But generally speaking, it looks like last. Patches tournament meadow favoured um clean play, which is nice. Having said that, um I was a little disappointed not to see a little bit more experimentation in tournament lineup, maybe because um it was the tried and tested players making it to the, the open. Um, but like I don't think anybody brought a vie to the, the open. Um, uh, you- so sad about that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but like Right does let you do some interesting stuff, right? Because you'd have to ban Nilfgaard. And I think most people went with the, let's ban line pockets and be good into Nilfgaard, right? And to be fair, Nilfgaard massively underperformed in the open. So it's probably a decent idea. Um, but you could have done some interesting stuff, I think. Um, or at least had a go at it. Like it doesn't even have to... Work, it would have just been nice to see some of it. But I think this patch is going to be good, right? Because it's a brand new patch and decks have changed. So looking forward to seeing how the tournament meta develops going forward this patch.
2: And Rada, obviously, you were playing in the qualifiers. I think you, I believe, made it to day two. So did you, how did you find the tournament Did you find that you wanted, you were quite limited on your, on your, um, your deck choices, especially making today two when you're going to choose like three different or four different decks, um, or, how do you find the tournament? Uh, in the last So,
3: patch? yeah, for me, I uh, I talked to Chess before the, the tournament. We had a little bit of a chat, and he advised me to take Vi because I wasn't sure on that one. That was like the flex deck that I wasn't sure I was going to bring. And uh, for me, like bringing that deck was really good because it ate all the bands. so I was able to play in my line pockets or. I was able to play Nielsgaard. That was at a point where I was quite happy with how the Chinese meta breaker was working for me. Things degraded quite <laughs> quite <laughs> abruptly after the qualifier because I hated that deck, and I went with the strategy of just banning NG. I just didn't want to see it, and I was really happy to to bring Vi. So it was it was fine. I did face mostly the same list, so my plans were clear in every matchup. I didn't have to think about it. I just saw NG. I'm planning this, that's fine. Yeah. But I wanted to touch a little bit about uh, the lineup that Patch brought to to the open. So I was surprised to not see NG from him. And uh, I was kind of happy to see him bring something different. I think he was the only one who brought ST. And,
2: um... I think I, Cam, Cam, Cam's, bring it, Cam's brought it as well, yeah. Cam's yeah,
3: brought it okay. okay. Yep. Yeah, I was happy to see that deck. I know that's not a new deck, but it felt a little bit fresh than just seeing the same four lists. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Patch's idea was to be, like, quite good into um, Nilfgaard, right? And it seemed, it seemed like Patch kind of got it right, because I think he was probably, f- like, had a pretty good matchup into Tailbot in the finals, and, um just got a little unlucky right some things went didn't quite go his way tailbot played really well as well um and those two things can like you can lose favored matchups because th- those things go against you but generally speaking i think he actually i think patch actually read it correctly that nilfgaard was actually not as good as people thought and it was also more targetable than e- even i thought was was probably the way to go so um yeah, I think, I think Patch was probably the one who got, got the lineup, right. Um, I think tailbot just not, not only did he play really well in the final, but he also like things went his way. Right. Um, but yeah, I tend to agree that outside of like patch and maybe cams was pretty, pretty stale. The the thing. Ah.
1: I would say that the tournament did gift us with some glorious gems, including uh, YOLO jam. And uh, this is where I realized that the Gwent community are miserable, miserable barstools because apparently a bunch of people were like, oh, it's so BM that he's like singing and having a good time while playing Gwent. This guy BMing by jamming. I'm like, what? what? How is it BM to listen to music? And s- I do <laughs> not understand the Gwent community sometimes when that was allegedly <laughs> him BMing his opponent. I was like, nah, it's just, it, you could see from that set, he was completely tilted in the first two games. He got the draw, he put his jams on, he had a good time, and he used that to restore his mindset. It wasn't anything about his opponent at all. But, yeah, some miserable people in the community we're not very, very... not team yolo jam uh it also gave us specimen referring to Gravesh in his cast as colin and i i cannot like in my head i cannot put the fact that Gravesh's name is colin like together it doesn't fit you know it's like i want two jigsaw pieces from different puzzles there's like Gwent Gravesh, and then there's colin um so yeah for me from a casting perspective i had a lot of fun We did an alternative cast on this channel, for those of you who aren't aware. And this is where I can then shamelessly promote the YouTube. I meant to tell you guys to go follow TLG on YouTube because the alternative broadcast will be up there. But like from a from a like that perspective, casting in that, it was a great tournament. But I feel like most tournaments are great tournaments from casting perspectives. So it doesn't really matter what the meta is like. Unless unless every game's like the same. I guess that's one of the problems sometimes you
2: get.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, so yeah. our last topic is upcoming qualifiers. So moving on from the past qualifiers we have top 16 and then top 64 going into open number 2 and top 16 is what next weekend. So we've got a week to figure out the meta. Very,
2: very soon after the patch by the way.
1: <sighs> so then the question no. becomes, you know, how do you feel about that tournament meta? How I mean, I feel like it's going to be very broad top 16 and I think top 16 usually Kind of dictates a little bit what people bring to top 64 like the, the people who aren't top 16 they watch top 16 and they think oh this did well in top 16 i'll do this for top 64 right yeah but if you're going to call amazing. it now what do you bring
2: oh it's so tough like I, I i mean it's like i don't even know what to play on ladder right now like it's just there's so many things to try out and and i have it, it's it's tough one because the people at top 16 actually have they've got to be the innovators for um the and lay the lay the stage for the rest of the season because as you mentioned like quite often the top 16 um, people have a look at it and go okay so this worked for this guy this worked for this guy this didn't work and then they bring that and they, they 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 kind of like improve upon that potentially for the top 64 and you know people on the ladder often end up you know you know copying that on ladder as well and it ends up you know changing how the scene of gwen can be so I don't know how, I don't know what I would run right now, like it's too early in the patch, I think, like, I I really have no idea. (laughs) I really don't. I
3: think I would target Vi, personally.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say something similar. I think I would go for a Kelly Vi target where you just bring, like, um, decks with, like, lots of tall punishes and some locks and things. Um, And... Yeah, because nice. I think AQ people are going to be scared to bring AQ because of full test, right? So people are going to want to bring White to Punish because of that, um, and then you're forced into bringing Kelly or Vi, and both can sort of be targeted together. Question is, is are there four decks good enough to do it? I'd have to like actually brainstorm and see if it's possible. If not, then I guess you would just go for the standard, bring the best four decks. But
2: that's that thing. What be, are uh, all the one the the main decks right now. <laughs> uh,
0: best four decks right now would probably be like full test. Um, some sort of monster deck, uh, full-test monsters, some sort of Skellige deck,
2: and then probably, hmm, it's tough on the last one. It'd be some sort of monster deck, some sort of Skellige deck, so basically yeah. just decks from
3: faction. I think that from Skellige you can actually bring Witchers and then you attack ta- in Axie or Eirden. And something
0: like that, and another tall punish, and you should be fine against Vi. So that's a viable thing that you can do. Not sure witches can beat Vi with like but I don't know. It'd have to be it. would be interesting. Be interesting. I guess they can tack in spores easily, right? Because they run portal, so that'd be nice for them. witches.
1: See, so this is right. where it gets tricky because you have to. I mean, if you're playing top sixteen, you have to think about what is it everyone else is going to bring. Can I target it? You know, or do I play something different? because I'm scared of targeting. There's like this many variables. And top 16 only has 16 people, right? 16 isn't that many people when, to make a choice. When is choice? it? Next weekend. Next yeah, weekend.
0: I so so people have, have to test all this. Because the thing is, is like, I think full test is good. So the question is, is how good is it? Is it good enough to bring? Is it good enough to target? Or is it too good to be targeted and everybody has to bring it? I don't think it's quite that good. And then the question is, is is it worth bringing it at all?
2: If it's, it's like. Easy of, uh, like with white punishes, people huh? bring. But it's kind card. of like
0: Vi. Like it depends on how you build it, right? But if you build it like Vi, you just win round one, bleed round two, don't care that you go down a card, and then just win a short round three a lot of the time. So, like, there's different ways you can build fault test
2: because, yeah. like. I mean, it's- it's- Sometimes it depends on how much carry you get because it's not always that simple just to win a card down. Even if you have all the carry, because a lot of decks can actually outpoint that. Like for example, Skelliger, For example, they get to keep their ice for round three. That's already like in points equivalent to your your commanders in a way. Can be, yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. it's not always that easy. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one for sure.
1: And one thing that does happen in tournaments I've noticed, especially when they're this close to a patch, people who are unsure they fall back on what they know. <laughs> you know, and that happens quite often is if people are like with this conversation about, you know, is full test good enough? Is full test not is that not gonna work? You know, if, if it's a new deck, then people tend to be unsure. So they might fall back to things that they you know, things like, you know, Warrior skelliger things like, well, line pocket's not really gonna happen, but um via a deck that people are comfortable with, witcher and are a deck that people are kind of they've known it in the meta enough that they would be comfortable piloting it as opposed to something brand new where you don't know all of the variables. And I think that's where you then see the people who take risks and the people who innovate in Gwent is in these top 16 moments who brings something fresh or something different. It doesn't always work for them, but the people who do that tend to be the people who do well overall, I usually find.
2: I mean, sometimes sometimes spicy labs um, end up doing really well sometimes i kind of fall flat um but they definitely throw people off a lot of time because you know you kind of ask yourself what what do i even ban here what do i queue on this coin what and, and, and how do i need to bleed this deck and you know all those questions you bring like standard decks and people kind of know okay this deck i need to do this 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 needs to happen i need to bring this on this coin and it's it's kind of like a, a paint by number sort of thing where, where, you, where, you th- where you can throw people off with like unique decks and then people just they start misplaying because they just don't know how to approach these decks quite often which can sometimes be quite beneficial. I think uh, this upcoming
0: qualifier is the one where that you have the most benefit from scrimming because, like, it's such a new patch, right? So if people, if somebody does decide to just like scrim for eight hours a day, ten hours a day, twelve hours a day, whatever it is, and just really try and work out what the best decks are, what kind of like reasonable lineup they could bring. You could actually get some, like, you might have, like, a really big advantage over the field. The downside to that would be it's kind of hard to guess what other people are going to bring, right? Like, you also need to keep an eye on the ladder meta and see what people are going to bring. Because I think, to be fair, you'll have a reasonable idea of what people are going to think is a safe deck to bring, like, safe lineup to bring. And then if you've actually put in, like, putting in lots of hours now is a lot more worthwhile than putting in a lot of hours scrimming, say, in, like four weeks time right when the meta is already developed and people have just naturally learned the meta more by playing a lot right so for anybody who is playing in the top 16 and it's like really wants an advantage I would say like try and like actually do like practice like this is a good time to actually really really do some scrimming if you're ever going to do it this is as good a time as any
1: and Chezzy is available if you need a
0: scrimmage (laughs) no Chezzy is not available
1: (laughs) (laughs) just just dial 0900 King chess. (laughs)
0: Yeah, he'll scream uh, with you
1: 12 hours a day.
0: I will send you my PayPal details.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of um, patches, though, obviously, we're going to be having next month the introduction of a new like series of um expansion all grouped together as one expansion called I believe it's called Place of Power. I believe, um. Which yeah, coming out soon. So I was actually very surprised to see a a patch of this magnitude right before a um expansion coming out. I'm not sure what you guys, what what do you guys, what do what do you guys think about the expansion? You guys hoping for anything specific? What are you, what are your thoughts on upcoming elf god soldiers? (laughs) (laughs) Ron, I'm I'm sure you probably, Ron is probably just wanting vampires, right?
3: Yeah, I want I want vampires.
2: Vampires, what what do you think of? Have you tried vampires this season at all? Have you you experienced it at all with them?
3: No, I I want to to try them out because I think they might be something. Um, I'm scared of all the veil that might be in the meta, but.
2: Veil. I is always it, keep saying that. I think what vampires need is to, they need they need the leader ability of um of blood scent to just say have a pass ability that that bleeds of yours ignore veil like just give it a pass to ignore veil.
1: Oh, so you can bleed veil units with that yeah. leader exclusively. I I think like they could do interesting things like that. You know where veil is still useful to deny lock and other stuff, but I think, then
0: I think what vampires need is to go away from bleeding and change to drain. That would be way
1: to make oh anti- so where they level. like boost themselves by removing yes. points
0: hmm.
1: Could it could be good
0: it uh, would be very very strong so you'd have to like change the numbers on them but bleeding's just such a bad like it's just so hard to make it work bleeding's like so like it's a very like as soon as you get to a point you're just wasting bleed right and it's a very low yeah. point it, and that you that and you got to work yeah exactly Whereas, like drain is actually a really really strong um ability so maybe only put it on like the really high vampires and like the other ones like synergize by having more vampires on the board right they just buff themselves or whatever or they damage by however many vampires things like that right um and then give like drain to these high end golds because drain's like super super, super strong and bleed trash
2: I mean, they keep trash. buffing cards and vampires like they get buffed they, they add cards like deathluff and know, then they buff them they buff this and they the the problem is like as you mentioned it's just bleeders is just very awkward and so much of vampire strategy revolves around bleed and that, that strategy gets very disrupted by decks that are being uninteractive like traps or or decks that have veil like you can just throw an invader or whatever into a row with blood moon and then well then you got to play some fun little mini game of does your bleed hit the correct units or not so, yeah
1: It sounds like the opposite problem to Nilfgaard, where they keep just nerfing and taking away, and vampires, they keep buffing and hoping that it becomes good without realizing the flaws in in the mechanics themselves. Um, I think they kind of teased a little bit, Place of Power, like the theme being around magic, so perhaps some sort of Nilf not Nilfgaard, Northern Realms, mages, because Northern Realms, they already have some like mage stuff. Oh, NR mages. (laughs) So like NR mages, maybe. But then, I don't know, because it's a difficult one. I don't think they can really necessarily introduce like brand new archetypes in the way that they're doing this expansion
2: yeah it's actually an interesting one like as you mentioned because we're not getting as many cards as we used to way back um when we're only getting what is like 26 cards so like introducing a whole archetype with only 26 cards it's it's not easy so unless they do it over a period of time um it's not gonna be you can't like just had like a whole new archetype which i think though they're trying to do already with like the buffs to were well, changed to foglets and, and and foglets um ancient foglets. It seems like they're trying to get the stage ready for the return of Dagon potentially, which may happen sooner or later. That's Dagen. another. Yeah, I think weather's also a bad mechanic, kind of, but.
1: yeah Wait, okay, were calling it's him Dagon a- too. Was it you, Spiro? I was calling him Dagon.
2: Oh yes, no, yeah, you, yeah, yeah was... <laughs> you, you, were, you were casting some Dagon gameplay or something old. Friends sure. with Dragon.
1: ready I don't know how do you feel about like um archetypes with this format of patching?
3: Well I'm not sure. I don't think they can bring in a new archetype like from zero, but maybe they can give some support for the existing ones. Like pirates, for example. I've been meaning to play pirates ever since the tag was introduced to in the game. I cannot play them. So
0: didn't didn't you actually play some pirates once? (laughs) Don't you want to share your experience with pirates?
3: I did experience with them many times. Mm -hmm. Most of the time in the pit because I was going to like twenty three (laughs) hundred. But yeah, I Um, did
2: pirates.
0: Yeah, I think uh, pirates is. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to add a lot to make Pirates good, right? Like,
2: I think Pirates just missing like, a card that glues it all together. Like, for example, Bloody Eagle, something that ties the archetype together and gets you the cards that all synergize to each other. That's the thing. They've got like, these value cards, like Croc, like, but they don't really feel like they all st- work cohesively I together. I mean, outside
0: of like Croc and, I guess, more quag, like what good Pirates are they? Yeah,
2: not really too many. Like, they have to add a lot, I think.
1: it's a tricky one because they're trying to tie in like ships and pirates together and the ships are all right Mm -hmm. like the ships that we have you know we see raiding fleet get played you see long uh, light long ship and uncrate whatever it's called
0: the only reason she sees ships is because of raiding fleet
1: but that's the thing like we already have ships so it's just the pirate side of things that maybe needs adjusting i mean the ships are also
0: pretty underpowered but raiding fleet is just absolutely broken (laughs) like the cat's so good Um. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, so pirates. You want to? I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of tags in Gwent that don't really exist as archetype, like relics. Yes. relics is a tag.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it doesn't exist as a deck, but it, there are there are cards which are relics, you know, and and pirates oh, kind of falls into that right category on. a little bit.
2: Amazing.
0: Well, how do you know there was a relic deck way back when? It was yeah. a uh, Mystic Echo, uh, double Unicorn Aguara um relic deck where you you call of uh, the forest would uh you'd pick up a relic and then play uh, pick up a unit with this with a tag and then play this card with the same tag from deck and you would do it on your aguara into unicorn or karanex and play like triple or quadruple caron uh unicorns in rain three i don't know who came up with that idea whoever they were must have been a genius deck builder though i will say that
2: Mm I mean Oh dear That's probably the first time I've ever heard of, of a relic deck Not gonna lie <laughs> I mean We had a relic deck In beta we had a relic deck I remember in beta there was actually some I, I think Raider made some beta relic deck There was like some kind of Yeah yeah there was I can't remember I can't remember how the deck went I think I had ghouls and stuff I can't remember Yeah
0: I think it was like a, Like carryover sort of thing I think you could like There was a card that buffed all relics or something I think Yeah, I, can't I remember correctly
1: I think one of my concerns with the patch well, or questions is, well, if they're doing 26 cards and you'd imagine there has to be a spread across the faction, you're not going to get, like, here's here's Nilfgaard's cards, you know. Here's, like, buff one faction and leave everyone else <laughs> until the next kind uh, of iteration. <laughs> then you can't really introduce new archetypes unless you then also do a lot of adjusting to original cards by changing maybe the ways that they work. But then at that point, like, it's the same as adding new cards as changing unplayed cards. So, it like, you're still doing it an expansion in that regard and then it's more work. So I don't know if we'll see much new with Place of Power. It's a weird system, right? Because you can't just be like, and here are all your, well, I guess soldiers, listening. here are all of your relic cards, for example, go have fun and play relics. <laughs> it doesn't work in like 26 cards when you're adding maybe five cards per faction.
2: Yeah, I mean, each, yeah, each faction in like five or six cards. So it's it's interesting just to think of like how impactful those cards are gonna have to be but, because I mean, obviously these expansions, they're, 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 they're like three-part expansions, so it, it can make, maybe takes time to build up there. But it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out over the next like several months and how where we end up going eventually. So, First,
3: okay. I, I think that uh, this might be a problem we were talking about earlier. If they introduce only five or six cars, they're probably going to be top-end provision cards. They're not going to be bronzes. Yeah which means they just move the game more towards gold. Yeah. And it's not going to be good. So archetypes will probably get little to no support.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm also a little bit concerned about that as well, because the other thing I feel like like right now, they don't need, to, like, I feel like they keep trying to add, like, new archetypes and stuff, right? But, like, we probably just have enough archetypes in the game right now. Like, there's plenty of stuff you can do with what we've got. You just need to give them some support, right? Um, Now, to be fair, it's not all the time, right? They did rework traps and make that, like, more of an all-in archetype. So they do do that from time to time. But I would like them to see, I would like them to just, like, try and make archetypes that are somewhat, like, already built to try and make them good. Because, like, for example, Harmony, like, again, it doesn't take, there's not a lot I don't think you need to do to make Harmony playable again right they just need to revert some changes buff a few cards and then harmony can come back something like that right like and that's kind of the way i think that i would like the game to be i think they got harmony i think harmony is like the perfect example of what they did right they got it to a point where it was really good um and then it was overplayed, so they nerfed it. But it's very easy to revert that back and make it playable. And if they can do that to every archetype, then they can, like, kind of just switch I mean, them in and out.
2: Uh, it's very to- difficult to revert because the, it, a lot of that came because of that leader ability, right? Being able to play, like, yeah i mean double. you just bring the leader back right like but that, that, that leader like that goes against it is the new design philosophy right like they said that. They, have...
0: they change their devi- design philosophy all the time right so it's not like it's not like it's out of the question they just go oh, okay well we've this month we're changing our design philosophy again and bringing it back it's like yeah
1: <laughs> well the issue I is like playing two cards in one turn so you just make it so when yeah. you play the leader you discard a card or something like that and then you can't play two cards instead of playing your card you just i think it, that would be some a, uh, nonsense uh, like that some nonsense loophole that, that lets you. I mean, you could just buff
0: it. harmony, so you don't need the leader ability. It probably need to be buffed a lot, but like, I just, I don't see a problem with bringing back that leader ability. It's like you can't really abuse that leader ability too much, right? It's just like the only way is white waters, right? And waters is probably the way to do it. So but, like, it's not like super opp- oppressive playing two waters. Okay.
3: But they do do have double cross, and double cross still plays two cards in one turn. So their philosophy is not one hundred percent; it's like partial.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I like guess... I, I, feel like they, they just they call it a design philosophy when it suits them right like that's their argument for changing something and then they change it back and say well we've changed the philosophy like they can build the game however they want it's like kind of fine
1: Reddy you're not playing two of your own cards in one turn one of those cards is your opponent's, so obviously it's completely different you know if you're playing yeah, I mean, two of your faction cards in one turn that would be too strong but if you play <laughs> your opponent's cards it's different and if they happen to be the same faction no, as you it's three. still not your card so it's totally
2: what totally you know what the funny different. thing about that is it's so funny when just like plays masquerade ball then goes in then goes lead into near and just you know two cards one turn i can't answer masquerade ball because i just propped in one turn haha
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but masquerade is garbage now so you know
2: True. it's one of those things right.
1: here's a question do you think this new form of patching where we get these like card bundles is better than having the big drop expansion and then nothing for half a year
2: uh, I I tend to like that they're getting more consistent changes because I really didn't like these big droughts where there's a big like big hype, big expansion. Everyone's like playing Gwent again for like a few weeks and then it just slowly dwindles down and then new content and then it dwindles down. It's nice to have like a more consistent flow. I do kind of wish there was still like more. I know it's kind of I mean I don't know how else to phrase it, but I do wish there was like you know just more stuff to to do and try out, but. Not sure how they would end up going about doing that.
3: So in, in terms of balancing, I think it's better to have smaller expansions. We don't want to have another mid-winter update. So I tend to like those.
0: Uh, so I think it's better for the game in terms of like viewership and things like that. From a personal point of view, I actually like perform better when it's a, like kind of a stale meta. Um, like just from like an actual performance point of view and I enjoy the game be- more when I'm actually performing better but from that point of view um, like it's probably a negative for me but as a whole I'm like I'm not against it I think it's probably a good change for the game it's just uh yeah I think it's positive for the game in general
1: Yeah. Cool, I think that's fair. Well, I think that about does it for the null look at my lovely German accent, <laughs> Null TLG podcast uh, for this week. So lots of love to Radu and Chezy Do you have any shout outs or things you want to promote? This is your moment.
0: No, I just, I definitely, definitely don't want to give a shout to either Sable or Infants, so we can just skip me. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs>
3: Radu? Yeah
2: no no shout outs for me yeah, i'd Sparrow. like to shout out to my mom who raised me <laughs> and my dad
1: <laughs> who also raised you or is there a
0: all the teachers that told you you were going to amount to nothing this is me a big f you to all of you i'm on a podcast <laughs> i've made it <laughs>
1: and, and i would like to shout out colin The epitome of of (laughs) professional, Gwent. Good old Colin. Colin's
0: in chat, I think.
1: Yeah, we'll shout shout out Colin. You know who you Mm -hmm. are. Oh, dear. Um, So just to round things up, we do need to remind you guys, if you want to catch up with TLG on YouTube, you can subscribe on YouTube. And you can always subscribe on Twitch too. You know, if you have more money than cents, that's an option. Uh, What was the other thing we need to chat? Oh, yeah, the Flaming Cup. The Flame and Cup. So Quill and Cup. Has become the Flame End Cup for this season. So instead of them casting, apparently they just smack talk the players. It's
0: an absolute Yeah, but now it's officially that does, that being smack official.
1: talk. Now it's official. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay.
0: So it's like
1: it's. Sure. So, so now you can't <laughs> complain if they smack talk you. Before, you could be like, I can't believe Quill said that about me. But now it's like, well, this is what I signed up for. Um, mm. And I believe that is later tonight uh, with Bowman? Yeah, eight fifteen CST. Oh, yeah, Bowman.
2: Is otherwise
0: known. Oh, it's going to be on this channel. That's going to be. Yeah, uh, it's going to be enjoyable.
1: <laughs> you could sound more excited about it, Chessie. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be enjoyable. Like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. I could sound more more excited about it. You're right.
1: <laughs> okay, so the all we have left to do is decide who we're going to raid, uh, and I believe there's someone um, streaming who is a big fan of the church. The carryover church, I believe he calls it. Have you heard about this? Yes,
0: yes. Mr. Life yes. Coach himself.
1: Mr. Life Coach and his, his carryover church. So until then, all we have left to do is we smile and we wave at the camera. And then eventually the stream ends. So smile and wait.
0: I'm going to have to beat the women away with a stick after this, you know.